So this is GPS Tech 318, how partners use AWS IoT services and edge compute to grow. Woo! Yep. Oh, okay. You want to introduce yourself, Kyle? Oh, hey, uh, hey. I'm Kyle Lichtenberg. Uh, I lead our global growth partner organization. And my name's Tom Jones. Uh, my nickname is Elvis. So both are appropriate for being here on stage at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm a solution architect. I focus on our partner team. I'm a solutions and, architect at heart, but I've got a business guy title and jacket. So we're going to yeah. talk about things like revenue and market growth and opportunities and that kind of stuff. And we're hoping to make this talk a little bit fun. Um, I love this quote. Uh, if anybody can tell me where this is from, you're awesome. Oh, I put it on the screen. Never mind. <laughs> So everybody can tell where it's from. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies. No matter where you go, there you are. So why are we here? Hmm. Right? Let's talk about the agenda. So this talk is really going to focus on three uh, partners and three customers. And this, uh, we're going to have some high-level architectural diagrams, and we're going to talk about that. But if you were expecting us to like write code live on stage, this is not the right talk for that. And we so, can do it if you want, it won't be pretty. It's, yeah. It's not well, gonna be what you're looking for. We have done that before. There's also gonna be three quizzes. So pay attention, details are important. That's um, right. If you get lost or confused, there'll be uh, opportunity for questions at the end. Um, first thing I'd kinda like to, to do here is make a, a bit of a, a plea, if well, you don't mind. Well, before we go there, oh. um, just a quick raise of hands. Who is this your first reInvent? Nice. All right. Actually, maybe about half the room. Um, well, welcome. Thank you for coming out here. Um, and one more question. Who here has used AWS IoT? Well, a few less, less hands that time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, any of those folks that just raised their hands, if you have questions about AWS IoT, just hit them up after the talk. Um, so we're going to talk about IoT. We're going to talk about three partners, three customers. We're going to talk. Uh, a little bit about the architecture that those mm -hmm. um, uh, behind their solutions. We're going to talk about the business drivers for that. And, you know, this is serious business, but we want to have a little fun, as you saw with our, our pictures kind of starting out. And, uh, but you said you have a request. Yeah. So we have a challenge in general as presenters in getting the right amount of feedback from folks. And this doesn't bother anyone more than my, my coonhound. Uh, Chester, Chester Copperpot. Chester's the most excited, happy character you will ever meet. He's got a huge heart. When you, you get home at night, he does little tippy taps, and he's a coonhound, so he sings. But he gets extremely disappointed when we get low CSAT response rates. If he sees a 12% like last year, I don't know if he'll be able to pull through. So please, please, please keep in mind, Chester would love for you to respond to the surveys. Positive, negative, otherwise, let us know how we did. Positive. Uh, yeah, positive, yeah, sorry. If it's positive, <laughs> Chester loves fives. It's just his thing. Um, so okay. please, please, please so fill let's, out your surveys at the end. Let's, let's roll on. Yeah. Okay. So, and Chester, very cute. So first we're going to talk about IoT. So back in the day, prior to IoT, if you wanted a cup of coffee, well, you got your coffee pot, you built a fire, you, you know, got the job done. Maybe it wasn't pretty. Um, but, and maybe you had some grounds left in your cup, but you got that cup of coffee. But today, it's super easy and inexpensive 
to connect devices. And what we're gonna end up with and what we're already seeing is the, the rise of the uh, ubiquitous connected device. Yeah, so with the, the ability to connect devices more easily, how many devices are we talking about here? How many devices? That's a good question, Kyle. That was a good leading question. Thank you. So last year we had eight, over eight billion eight connected billion devices. connected devices. And in 2020, they're predicting over 20 billion. And I like that because it's 20 billion devices and it's 2020, so it's like 2020, 20 cubed. That's, that's a huge number. It How is a huge number. How does that compare to like humans? That's a, a bunch you, per You year, are right? leading me right along. So here's a, here's a graphic to represent that. So this is the number of humans on the planet and we can see the projected growth uh, over the next few years uh, to 2025. And here's the projection for connected devices. And you can see these folks are a little more aggressive saying 30 billion in 2020, but I'm gonna stick with that 2020 because I like, like that. So at least 20 billion devices in 2020. So there's a gigantic market opportunity mm -hmm. around connected devices and IoT. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing all this hype. Yeah. Okay, so in summary, in 2017, we had more connected devices than we have people. I think that makes good sense, right? We've got phones, we've got tablets, we've got computers, that's just per person. <laughs> the, Plus the yeah, well, automated uh, pieces, the uh, anything. So I've been to your house, I, you know, I know <laughs> you, you know, you're responsible for a good percentage of that. Yeah, it's, it's not a whole number, but it's close. Okay. so. Let's, let's dive into some customer examples. And we're gonna count down, we're gonna start with number three, and we're gonna count down to number one. So the first company I wanna talk about is a chemical manufacturer, and this company is called Frac Chem. And the company uh, makes chemicals, uh, they wholesale those chemicals, uh, they also make both standard and custom formulations, and they had some business outcomes that they wanted to focus on. So one of the things that they wanted to do was move from just being a supplier to being a managed services, uh, managed service solution. And the way that they ended up doing that was by um, working with one of our partners called Anika, and I'll, I'll talk about them in just a second, but they wanted to lower their cost, they wanted to increase the quality of what they were producing and maximize equipment life because the equipment out in the field is very expensive. And so what they ended up doing was instead of shipping liquid chemicals, they came up with a process for shipping dry chemicals and then on site mixing those. And that gave them the ability to adjust for water, water quality and other environmental factors. Okay, so they did that in conjunction with Anika. And uh, Anika is one of our premier consulting partners they have offices uh, around the world, and they you know, are a full spectrum integrator. The, uh, as they were working with FracChem and hundreds of other IoT projects uh, over several years, what they found is that there's a whole um, list of patterns and, and processes that are repeated across each one of their projects. So things like connectivity, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously you need some type of processing. Um, the, uh, you know, the software distribution, the GPIOs, uh, all of these things. So what they ended up doing is 
they step back and they said, all right, well, if we have all of these things that we have to solve for each one of our projects, what can we do to make it easier for customers to, or to, to prototype, to get started? So what they created is a board called Iotanium, and I have one here. So here, you yeah. can hold it up. We'll have this up, uh, up front here at the end if anyone wants to come see. Yep. But it's, a, uh, it's got a built-in connectivity with a radio here. It's got pins on the back. It's got breakout got boards. A, a full development kit. So you can get, and it's even got a breadboard in it. So yeah. and you, you can, can get go, started right away. If you want to do BTLE, you can go uh, LTE, you can go Wi-Fi. It's very extensible. And there's lots of uh, different options you've got from an, an accessing the control perspective. But it can help you get a jump start on that project that you're running towards and without needing to learn all these base pieces. Well, and, and once again, the, the thing about Anika is that they're, they're a consulting company, right? They don't sell hardware. They just built this to make it easier for you to prototype and, and build software solutions. And so you can prototype using this board very quickly and then go to a contract manufacturer and have a custom board made. But what do you do, like what, what makes this run on the back end? How does this function? Oh. All right, so here's an architectural diagram of the Anika solution. And what we see here is you know, we've got devices. Let's see if this laser pointer works. So we've got devices out here. So those could be these Iotanium boards or other devices. Talking over MQTT into the AWS cloud, which is this big box here. And then moving into AWS through the AWS IoT service, so we can do device management, uh, as well as uh, you know, registering those devices, talking to the IoT rules engine. Mm -hmm. And then one of the interesting patterns that you see here is this split. So the data is flowing through here. It's going to Kinesis uh, Firehose, and then it's going to just the Kinesis streams. And two versions of Kinesis. Two versions of Kinesis. Why would they do that? Well, the, the reason that they're doing that is that they can flow it through Kinesis Firehose into S3 without having to do any, uh, run any servers, right? It's all serverless. They don't have to do any um, management of infrastructure on their side to make that happen. And then once it gets into S3, they're using Amazon Athena to analyze that data and then uh, Glacier to store um, you know, and retain it over time at low cost. All right, but on the, as the triggers, the events happen, mm -hmm. that surely must need some uh, EC2 in place there for processing. Well, right? actually, in this case, you can see they're using Lambda. So we have Lambda uh, functions. So uh, once again, serverless, running um, various applications to um, you know, say, uh, like one of the examples uh, might be um, you know, that, that frac chem example we were just talking about, mm -hmm. where they're having lambda functions that are controlling the mixture of the solution out in the field. Okay. okay. Um, so once again, really interesting architecture, all based on serverless. And it's consumption-based. That was another point I wanted to make there. So. Some of the challenges that they had as they were going through and implementing this were um, moving uh, or serialization at cloud scale. So in this case, they were using Kinesis and Lambda and specifically Kinesis sharding mm -hmm. to, to scale. 
Um, another one was this focus on active data. So um, I did a, this is my architecture talk with um, Tolga from Anika, and uh, one of the things that they were doing there is they had connected tanks, and these tanks needed to go and be emptied every so often. Mm -hmm. And so they were using, that would be the active data where they're sending a message to a worker to go and empty a tank. Versus the reporting data, you know, that the manager might use to say, well, how many tanks did we empty last month, right? Yeah, actually what's interesting about this particular slice of the um, energy industry, the chemical industry, the, the challenge that they face, you know, something like how much liquid is in this tank, it's not as easy of a question as you might think because these tanks aren't uh, necessarily made out of the sturdiest stuff. This is plastic, this is materials that are safe but however are susceptible to things like the sun. So if you've got this pile of chemicals out in the field and you're able to see I've got about this much liquid in it, you can have an engineer check that three times a day and it's gonna have different numbers each time even though the level hasn't changed because the events and the impacts that they have on that system are going to be varied throughout yeah. the day. However, moving to data-driven models, you're able to get much more accurate and dial in much closer on the, the throughput that you've seen, mix the appropriate chemicals in the right place at the right time, and get the right outputs from these systems. Yeah, and so what we see in the design pattern here is that they're using Dynamo, and, and I didn't call it out on the previous slide, but uh, Dynamo is on the slide, and they're using that for that active data so they can build metrics uh, that are real-time for that worker out in the field versus using S3 and Athena to do that historical analysis. And that's a pattern we'll see repeated. Uh, another thing that they're doing is they're using IoT Device Manager to manage those devices out in the field. Because that's, I mean, once you start to, I mean, one device is maybe not that hard to manage. Sure. But once you start to deploy hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of devices, that becomes a, a, you know, a major thing that you need to focus on. And if you think about the number of devices and the number of sensors that you would need in just a single oil field implementation, it's staggering the amount well, of data you need to manage. Well, if we think of that 20, 20, 20. Yeah, 2020. That's, that's, that's a lot of management. Okay. Um, also, the ability to, you know, not just create those reports, but view them. So, and then, as we mentioned uh, on the previous slide, running all of this serverless so that it's easy to scale. The other piece uh, that I, I did mention briefly was that the costs scale as well. So your costs scale along with your use because you're running in a consumption serverless model. Exactly. Um, and then last but not least, one of the things that Anika has done is not just, so, so they created this development kit and this board to make it easy to prototype. They've created um, you know, the software architecture so that you can use the AWS services to get started quickly. But they've also, they've also uh, hit the right button there, um, integrated a whole development pipeline for you. So you can uh, easily stand up a de development stage, a, a test or QA stage, and a production stage using various AWS services like um, code commit, code pipeline, and code build to build that pipeline or build that uh, solution. Okay, so it's, it's the CICD. CIC, CI means? Continuous integration. CD. Continuous disappointment. Delivery. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good. We did not practice that. That was good. Yeah. The, okay. Uh, 
This and is an interesting piece about the way that our, our partners function. Uh, so we're talking a lot about the solution they developed here with the prototype board and the um, system that they put together so that you can do these things easily. But the partner's job is not to just build these things and hand these off. You see from uh, CTO of TrueCar calls out that Anika themselves sat side by side with their teams. They didn't build this thing and hand it off. They made sure that this company knows what they're getting into and how to handle these things and how to work with these things long term. That's uh, one of the great features of our, our partner program is the ability to have these resources that care about scale, not only delivering this project, but scaling your business along with you. Outcomes. Um, so this is the key to any project, knowing where you're going and what's going to be delivered. Uh, Fratchem was looking for improved quality. They got it. They were looking for lower costs. They got it in spades. And actually ongoing, they're able to minimize those costs by being more precise and more accurate and able to project much more clearly what those costs are going to be, when and where as well. What's really interesting is their business model shifted. They're no longer selling buckets of chemicals. They're selling a service, not a supply. So now they're able to look back and see how much you're going to need when you're going to need it. I don't have to sell you these tanks. I'm just going to sell you the chemicals that you need when they're delivered. So the customer's happy because they're not buying tanks. They're just buying that thing they need for their business at the end of the day. Yep. Anika was pretty happy too. Um, their outcomes, repeatable patterns. So this board that they developed and this system that they developed and these uh, cloud formation templates they're able to execute based on these uh, specific needs of the customers, that's repeatable. The specific implementation for FRACCAM is something that's going to be fairly bespoke and you know, specific to the needs of that company, but the rest of it's fairly generic. Those patterns are pretty standard. Everyone's going to need to have to, the devices that they can manage. They're going to need to be able to handle firmware. They're going to need to be able to handle security. And they're able to now go to other customers and say, here's this thing that we know works, that works great, that we've built, and we can uh, put this in place for you as well to drive your business in the same direction. They've also been able to drive down from their perspective the time to market of these solutions. So it will take them a good amount of time to, to do the first one. It was a lot of engineering work. It was a lot of software development. But the second one, third one, fourth one are a small fraction of that because they've put in the heavy lifting. Well, so, and, they, and they've made it easy for all of you yep. to go out and do that as well and take advantage of the lessons learned that they've had. Exactly. Okay. So remember so, when you said there's going to yeah, be a quiz? We did say there is going to be three quizzes. So uh, just raise your hand or come up to the mic if you think you know the answer. First question, why does their architecture use Kinesis Firehose? Anyone. All right. Uh, they want to send it directly to S3. That's right. Nicely send done. it to S3 without having any compute. Second question, then there's three questions. What service did Anika use to query that data once it was in S3? Athena. Athena, boom. Yeah, rock and roll. Nice work. And then finally, how many connected devices are projected to be online by 2020? Everybody. 20 billion or more. With a B. That's a big number. That's a lot of things. Okay, moving on to example number two, industrial IoT. So this is an example from a company called Hamlet, and Hamlet is a manufacturer of industrial valves. They had a question around how does IoT impact our business? They also had a second question around how does artificial intelligence impact our business? And what those things can give you is a view into preventative maintenance, but if we they combine both of those things together, then they can go to predictive maintenance. So these valves are used in uh, semiconductor manufacturing. They're um, you know, very precise. And 
let's just let's just move on. So this was a project <laughs> done with Siemens, and um, the uh, Siemens is one. Uh, so on our partner side, Siemens is an advanced technology partner. Mm -hmm. They are an APN competency partner. Most recently, with our industrial software competency. Yeah, for anyone that's not familiar, our competency partners have gone through extensive vetting and have shown specific case studies and capabilities in areas. So when you're looking for a partner to do DevOps or a partner to do uh, IoT, for example, we've got a short list of folks that we've done extensive work with that we can say, yes, you should absolutely choose these folks. And Siemens is a great uh, example of someone who's done extensive work with us and with customers. Yeah, it's a high bar to hit. Yeah. And uh, the... The testing is fairly rigorous yeah. to make sure that they are following our best practices. And so they have a platform as a service called Siemens MindSphere. And MindSphere uh, consists of applications or mind apps that sit on top of MindSphere. And then there's MindConnect for the connectivity piece. And so the solution with Hamlet used MindSphere as their IoT platform. And then that's running on top of AWS. And here's a diagram of what that looks like. You can see we've got some connected valves. These valves have various uh, things that they're looking at, like the temperature, the uh, pressures, the humidity, the acoustics. So that's a really cool one. The valve has a microphone on it. And then things like vibration. And in the diagram here, we've got multiple valves that connect into a gateway device. The gateway device then allows for processing out in the field, and then that will go up into the cloud for um, the, uh, well, let me get to that in a second. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So it allows, the gateway to, allows for uh, processing in the field, and it gives you the ability, this uh, thing at the bottom of the screen here is a tablet that gives real-time uh, analysis. So similar to what we saw with the Onica example, you've got the uh, real-time analysis, and then you've got the maybe historical long-term analysis. So that data will flow up into the cloud. And um, it also gives the opportunity to use things like machine learning. Mm -hmm. So you're taking not just um, you know, data for monitoring, but you can use that data over time to build machine learning models. Yeah, it's an interesting approach uh, functionally with the gateway in place there. So you've got both the ability to have engineers on site holding a tablet, troubleshooting, reviewing, you know, making the adjustments that need to be made. And at the same time, the longer term analytics building the reports to say, hey, based on the, what we've been recording from an audio perspective and how we heard this valve close the last 15 times and the pressures we're seeing, it's probably not gonna be you know, lasting too much longer. We need to take XYZ steps so on site, you can pull up your tablet and say, let's you know, shut that guy off, let's take it out of service, maybe right. re relative reasonable adjustments to move these things forward without the need to necessarily connect to the back end or go through the uh, extensive processes on the far side. So let's take a look at what the architecture looks like. So here's an architecture diagram for the Hamlet solution. And we can see here's uh, an on-premises, maybe that's a factory. We've got the Hamlet valve. That I just put one here, there could be multiple. Um, and once again, it's got these various uh, sensors on it, the microphone being one of the critical pieces there because it's listening for when that valve opens and closes. And then we have the gateway device. That gateway device is running AWS Greengrass. And in this case, it's actually running machine learning models that have been trained using Amazon SageMaker up in the cloud. So they're taking that data, they're sending it up to the cloud, putting it in S3, 
and DynamoDB, and then using SageMaker to train those models. And then we're also using things like IoT Core and Amazon Analytics to look at the data, as well as doing the predictive maintenance and long-term monitoring inside of Siemens MindSphere. And here we see the, um, the security pieces that are running inside of MindSphere, as well as the device management. And then, once again, all of that's running inside of AWS. That's an interesting comparison there from our first architecture, which was for, did this device management through the AWS IoT service versus using the, the partner technology product here as well. From our perspective, it's whatever the customer needs uh, to solve their problem. Well, and this is a great example of a company like Siemens that has a long history of mm -hmm. in, you know, work in the industrial space, and they're able to apply that knowledge using uh, MindSphere. And so let's take a look. One of, the, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this is that they not only deployed Greengrass, but they deployed it inside a container. So they're running containers on that gateway device, and we see multiple containers here that are running on that device out in the field. The other thing that's really cool is we have it here yeah. on stage. So this picture that you see on screen is this physical device here. And so at the end of the talk, please come up. We have Shai from Siemens here to uh, answer questions about it and, and show you the, the valve. And just a little, to end with a little quote from the CEO from uh, Hamlet, right? This has been transformative because what they did, very similar to FRACCHEM, where FRACCHEM moved to a managed service model Hamlet has moved from selling valves to selling valve hours. It's valves as a service. It's opening and closing valves as a service, yeah. which is so interesting, so right, that you can move from a hardcore manufacturing company to a software as a service company, basically. Yeah, and if you're in the industrial space and you need the, the command and control of these, the cost up front, typically fairly high, and the risk that you're taking on managing and controlling your valves is extremely high. But when you're able to shift your model to say, I know how often I'm gonna to need to open and close this, I can do this based on, again, the outputs, not yeah. the random guess of how much we're going to use this. It's a much more financially responsible model for the customer to step into. All right, time for another quiz. You wanna walk through this one? Sure. So what technology did Siemens use to build, train, deploy machine learning models quickly on AWS? SageMaker. SageMaker, Boom. nicely done. Which service seamlessly extends AWS to edge devices so they can locally act on the data that's generated? Greengrass. Greengrass, yeah. And what was the name of Kyle's dog? Chester Copperpot. Chester Copperpot. Yeah, first name. and last name. Only when Love he's it. in trouble, usually it's Chester, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Goonies, yep. All right. So the, the next example is gonna be much closer to home, and you're probably all gonna be extremely interested given the hour and the weather. Let's talk about espresso. That is a very, back, back up sorry, for a second. Sorry. That's oh, a man. very good cup looking you're right, cup That of is coffee. a gorgeous cup of coffee. Where's that, where's that picture from? So that is a cup of coffee. I took this picture. This is a cup of coffee that I had in Seattle at KEXP, oh. uh, which is the US headquarters for La Marzocco. Uh, Funny you should mention La Marzocco. So, and this happens to be a use case around La Marzocco. So they're a manufacturer of high-end espresso machines, 
Yeah. You may, you've probably had coffee from these machines. Um, when you did, you might have felt like a star and it would have cost you a couple bucks, um, but we're not able to talk to who specifically is uh, purchasing these <laughs> and rebranding them. But they're extremely high-end, very good quality machines. Yes. And they're expensive. Like, startup prices for a coffee shop, it's staggering if you're going to purchase a piece yeah. of equipment like this. But they're, I mean, they're the, the, the leading standard. manufacturer. Yeah. And so, and they're, have a, they had a, a standard sales model, right? Um, with service contracts and in-house engineering. But what they wanted to do is they, they wanted to look at their business and uh, just like some of the other businesses we've seen, they wanted to get closer to their customers, mm -hmm. right? They were looking for ways to increase their revenue. Um, essentially, they had saturated the market. And then they also wanted to, you know, they, if they're the leading brand, they want to maintain that brand. and. Uh, you know, see how they could get creative with R&D by getting more feedback directly from their customers. Yeah, that's, that's a big piece of this. Um, as a company, Amazon is a huge fan of driving based on customer feedback. Yeah. If you've got a device in the field that's not connected to the internet that you can't manage and you can't monitor, you're not getting the feedback on the performance. You don't know how it's doing unless someone calls and says, oh yeah, that thing fell over and it broke again. I'm so frustrated. Come out here and fix it. Don't necessarily have to go in that route anymore with these capabilities. Right, and so some of the challenges is they had zero visibility into those devices once they were deployed out in the field. Uh, no, no understanding of the location, the health, the, the operating status after it leaves a factory. And then the distributor sales channel was limited and customer engagement opportunities to maintain the relationship and upsell or cross-sell uh, complementary products and services just wasn't there. And then the traditional CapEx expense or sales model prevents revenue growth into the secondary resale markets. Yeah. So some, some significant challenges there. So they turned to another one of our partners uh, by the name of Relayer. Yeah. And to, to, oh, you it might not be surprising to you that oh. the coffee company did not have these skills in-house to build and develop a platform. Completely reasonable to reach out for help yeah. um, from someone Great like Relayer. Point. So they reached out to uh, Relayer to take a look and look at their business and analyze it. And similar to the other businesses that we've been talking about today, they recognized that there was an opportunity by integrating IoT into both their existing machines so they could retrofit them, as well as outfitting uh, you know, new machines. That, so, and they're looking at having about 17,500 devices connected over the next five years. Mm -hmm. um, but they could take that, the, the, that connectivity, connect it up to AWS, and build on top of that, right? Build dashboards, build machine learning models to understand what's happening out in the field. Once again, doing that predictive maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, and this, and, yeah. this talks very closely to a message that we're also familiar with, focusing on the customer. The customer does not want to buy a big fancy coffee machine. Uh, we've got quite a few uh, technical types in here. We, we can be very nerdy about our specific things. Maybe we do want a very I, particular I would coffee love machine. One, but, but most folks, they want a cup of coffee. They don't get up and think, man, I'm really excited to go play with a coffee machine. Right. So, so you're what able they to now in, provide oh, espresso as a service. Espresso as a service. So, how? and yeah, how? So once again, they're consuming many of the same services. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, the same type of serverless architecture. Mm -hmm. 
S3 data lake. They're using MQTT for connectivity. Yep. They have built their own analytics tool. Um, and the, they've built dashboards that are not only used by Lama or Zoco to keep track of their assets, but also by the baristas to continually monitor the coffee machines that are on their premises. So, um, and then the field software updates are managed by the Relayer platform and automatically go down to the coffee machines when needed. And that's the, the really interesting piece that you've probably heard is a common thread throughout this, using machine learning and being able to look at this data and understand how these machines perform and what the energy draw is on a particular pump and what the resistance is in various areas. They're now able to predict when these machines are going to stop performing the way they're expected to. And since you're buying this by the cup, it's not on you to know that, it's on them. They need to be the ones that understand when to send out that engineer and give you the hand that you need because that pump is about to go out. Well, and I think one of the other cool things is because it gives them visibility into the use of the machine, they can say, oh, well, we're seeing that sales are dropping off in this city or this region. And then they can you know, work with those customers to figure out, well, why is that? And then maybe do a promotion mm -hmm. or, you know, it's, it's just a really interesting way to get closer to the customer and to grow their business model. And they, uh, I didn't talk about it on the previous slide, but they were able to grow their available market by 30% yeah. by changing to this or, or adding this as a business model. From stagnant growth to a 30% increase in addressable market. Yeah, so espresso as a service. Being able to go from not seeing any of their equipment, not knowing what's going on in the field unless they sent an engineer out to take a look, to seeing thousands upon thousands <laughs> of coffee machines that are doing their good work or questionable work and need some attention. Yep, and so we have a, a great quote from the CEO of Larmar Zoco saying that this is the heart of their future. I love it, yeah. it's darn good coffee. And uh, Relayer, uh, why did Relayer choose to work with AWS? Um, well, there's a number of different reasons for that. So the support they get from us, mm -hmm. the partner team, I'm proud to say, the reliability of the platform, obviously scalability. Yep, and the flexibility as well. They, they've got several machines online today, I don't know the exact number, but they're projecting towards tens of thousands of these things. So yeah. they need to be able to follow us from a scalability perspective or we need to be able to follow them. And just like their customers don't wanna pay for the machine, they don't wanna pay for all this infrastructure up front. So we need to be able to ride along, give them the same courtesy that they're extending to their customers. And one of, so I have, I have many axioms as I've come, that I've come up with while I've been in this role. Uh, one of them is that everybody wants to design the perfect architecture, but it, it's way better to design architecture that's fungible, right? That's flexible, that you can replace and change. And we've seen yeah. this week, you know, the, the pace of innovation is outstanding or, you know, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that you just need to design a good enough architecture and be able to iterate on that rapidly because who knows where we're going to be, you know, a year from now or six, even six months from now. Yeah. Having that flexibility is really important. Absolutely. Okay. Time for our last quiz. How well we've been paying attention. Excited? <laughs> All right. Let's see. So what service did Relayer choose to manage their containers? Oh, we, we had it on the slide. I don't know what we talked about it. Hmm? ECS. ECS. There we go. <laughs> yeah. What product led to a 30% increase in La Marzocco's That's market? That's amazing. What was that product? 
E A A S. Espresso as a service. service. <laughs> they went from selling. It's a new platform. Machines to selling cups of coffee, tiny cups of coffee. Uh, yeah, and then finally, what would make Chester really happy? We talked remember? about this. It's a common theme. There we go. <laughs> he, he likes high response rates. Just fill out your survey. He does like treats and also five. Well, I like everybody likes treats. That's true. Yeah. He's so cute. <laughs> okay, so in conclusion, let's let's kind of bring this home, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the business value summary first. What are some things that we learned here today? Hopefully, right? Yeah. So that we're able to reduce time to market functionally if we're able to to identify patterns that are repeatable, and we're able to build into systems that are structurally sound and flexible enough, you are able to get your new ideas, your new concepts, your new products out faster. Additionally, you can't improve what you can't measure. So once you're able to measure things like life, the life of your valves, the pressure on either side, the quality of the coffee coming out of a tap, you're able to then improve those iteratively little by little, and once you figure out what needs to be changed, Chances are you'll be able to push out some sort of firmware update or make some adjustment to your algorithms to say, here's how we're gonna make these things run better for our customers long term. Well, and the, and the way that you're able to measure that is through connectivity. Exactly, right? yeah, gives yeah. you a better ability to know your customer, because that's what matters. It doesn't matter if you have the best widget in the world and you think it's super cool, if it's not what your customers need, and what your customers want, and what they consider to be success, it does not matter at all. And then, I love this, we're, we'll talk, this shift in business models, moving to a managed service or moving from a product, you know, just being a manufacturer to being a service provider. Yeah. And then some of the design patterns that we've seen here are repeated over and over. So this idea of fungible designs, I just mentioned that, right? This idea of having architectures and, and focusing on being fungible and being able to change things over time, it's really important. One of the patterns that we see that really helps with that is things like serverless, mm -hmm. things like um, containers and microservices. Yeah. Um, that's a really important piece. Yeah, and the core of our AWS IoT service, the whole concept, uh, we like to look at the undifferentiated heavy lifting going on in the ecosystem. Everyone that's working in IoT, they're gonna have devices. They're gonna need to manage those devices, secure those devices. They're going to need to be able to push out firmware updates to those devices. They're gonna need to be able to catalog and list those devices. So our basic service will do all those things for you. There's no need to go reinvent that wheel every time. They're all gonna be talking through some sort of queue-based platform that's gonna be sending messages back and forth. So AWS IoT is designed to be extremely flexible and fill those gaps where your platform needs it. Yep. And then we've seen an, pretty much all of these architectures have focused around serverless, mm -hmm. right? So why manage servers if you don't have to? Yeah, never pay an OS license unless you absolutely need to. And then one of the things that I'm really passionate about is edge compute, and I know we had at least one person that was in my edge compute workshop earlier this week, but that ability to run machine learning models at the edge is, it's just, it's driving this business, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's one of the interesting things actually about our, the, um, the frac cam example, well, something I'd never thought about until getting into uh, a few different partners that work in that industry, there's no connectivity at an oil field or out there in the middle of nowhere. It's, there's tons of, um, energy requirements, there's tons of functional requirements around managing fluids, managing power. There's no phone line that anybody ran out there. So best case scenario, you've got some cellular, but at the end of the day, the edge compute, if you're gonna be making quick decisions, you need to be able to Im embed part of that decision-making matrix into that equipment. And then of course manage those things over time. Yep. And then last but not least, 
a focus on using AWS partners where appropriate, mm -hmm. right? And this is, once again, a great example of where our competency program helps vet partners for you to make it easier for you to you know, build, prototype, and get to market. Yeah, it, it's a strange new world for most of these companies, so the fact that they have folks to reach out to is a huge boon to yep. uh, their businesses overall. And then just to re-emphasize this shift in business models, right? what we're seeing, and we saw with all three of those e examples, is a shift from product to either a managed service or all the way to a software as a service. And that's because companies are moving from this model where they, sold a, they used to sell a product or a license, and by utilizing the cloud, they're able to move to a subscription, and that gives, a, gives them all those benefits of being closer to their customer, growing their revenue base, or their market. Um, In looking at this holistically, if you look back 10 years, um, do you think that this would be something that's even remotely <laughs> achievable? No, this was totally inconceivable 10 years ago. It's, it's an interesting point, uh, but those things change. They do. <laughs> change, so another one of my axioms is change is the only constant, but the rate of change is ever increasing. Yep. And, uh, the expectation is that it's not going to slow down anytime soon. So I'm excited to see what all of you are going to do with these services and these opportunities and which customers you're going to be helping revolutionize their workloads and what yep. strange business model shifts on from making your own cup of coffee to coffee as a service. That's espresso as a service. Years. I love yeah. it. Need so, everyone to do us a quick favor, though. Yep. Can everyone, pull out your phone. Everybody, come on. Hold on. Phone's out. Unless you already had your phone out, I, we're texting. I, I, I put mine in, it's down there. Sorry. So now let's all, in your the virtual phone. Keep us out of the doghouse with Chester <laughs> and fill out the survey. Uh, so please, please, please fill out the survey. for we, We're looking for a high response rate. Chester is a huge fan of the number five. I don't know why it's one of his things. Um, doesn't have to be your answer, but if it's not what you're seeing here today, come on, let us know. What could we do better? Um, give Absolutely. us the feedback. We want it, we're here for you. So if we're not hitting the marks you were expecting, please let us know. And Huge, huge thanks for everybody coming out, um, staying yep. with us today on this ap dreary afternoon right before the big yep. party. Um, and, and like I said, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, those are, that's our contact information. Uh, we have the Hamlet valve up here. And you have so, to come play with us. It yeah, is a, come check it out. Tank of a and valve. yeah, we have the, the dev kit from Annika here as well. So come check that out. And we'll be here if you want to have any questions. We do not have the coffee machine, sadly. Uh, yeah. that. <laughs> Man, we're going to get marked down for that. That was, was a bummer. But thank you all yeah. so much. We hope you have had a great reInvent and enjoy the party tonight. Yeah. Thanks.